Hello, welcome to CarCast in Edmonds. I'm Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, here with Alistair Weaver. Hello. Hello. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna. This is gonna be our last show of the year, I believe. We're gonna we're gonna wrap things up. Um, we did it with Goldberg as well. Wrap things up. So um, this is gonna be the official last show. We did the last show with him. This is gonna be our last show for the year. Everybody's gonna take a little break. You're gonna jet on off to your gl- glamorous life in Europe and uh, <laughs> for vacation with the, with kids. <laughs> just keep laughing. Thursday um, night. Thursday night. Just think of me, people. I don't know when you're listening to this. Probably, I should probably have already on the ground in Europe. Hopefully, just imagine me stuffed. At, I'm six foot four, stuffed at the back of a plane with two children under four and a half, one twenty month old. Eleven Not only hours unpleasant overnight. for you, but probably everyone else around you. Every and three hundred <laughs> other people yeah. all hate you all night. Yes. Uh, you should. You walk like you a... get stressed. I don't really get very stressed in life, but. Like I've been getting stressed this week just by the thought of it. So I've done it a few times now. And it's like the one thing about flying long distances, you know that whatever happens in 10 hours time or 11 hours time, you're getting off. Yeah. Yeah. And you just get on, you should hand out like drink tickets to like at least 15 people surrounding you in the immediate area. You get a drink ticket. I apologize in advance. You get a big drink ticket. Sorry for this light. Here you yes. go. <laughs> just I'm looking I like for a noise canceling of... headphones all around. Yeah, just, yeah. Just... Sorry, everyone. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, it's it's an Air France flight to Paris as well, which is um, even longer than flights to the UK. And Air France doesn't have a good reputation for uh, giving you space and good service. So we shall see. <laughs> um, last time I went, last time I flew Air France. Sorry, I know we're not talking about cars, but I, I've got a rant coming on. Last time I did this flying back from Paris to LA, we turned up and they said, oh, so yes, your 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 wife and daughter, they're going to be at the back of the plane. And you and your, I think like four month old, you're going to be sat here. And I was like, no, that doesn't work. I'm sorry. That doesn't work at all. And we had a massive stand up row. And in the end, they moved, moved, moved my wife and daughter marginally closer. And that was it. And they said, if you got concerned about it, take to social media. So I did and got nowhere. And the only way we could sit together on the plane was to basically go on and appeal to other passengers. And so and we got on and there was like a bunch of 20-year-olds sat in like the bulkhead where you normally put families. And I kind of looked at them and, and I was like, sat down with this six-month-old is already screaming. I said, look, I'm really sorry, but basically the, the airline screwed us. We've been thrown to the back of the plane. My four-year-olds are there, over there in tears. Anything you can do. And they kind of, I think they was partly a nice gesture that they got up and moved and partly because they just looked at me with this baby and was like, this is going to be hell. Yeah. So yeah. in the end, like only through the goodwill of other passengers and not the appalling behavior of Air France were we allowed to um, to fly. So hopefully nobody from Air France is now listening to this and takes some bridge. Ahead of time. I've never been, There's a lot, I, I take a lot to build genuine anger. I was, I was losing it. <laughs> and then I wrote a complaint and that wasn't really upheld and it was rubbish. But anyway, Enough of my woes. It would be nice to see the family. Always nice to see Paris. As my uh, my friend would always say, uh, lower your expectations and you'll always be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And my expectations are, could not be lower. <laughs> there you go. So it's, it's all uphill from here. It's all going to be wonderful <laughs> from here. And then you have to hire a car. And that was pretty painful last time. But it's always fun, actually, to go to France and hire a... Because like, I've been in the US for what, six years now. And the European car scene has changed so much. 
that every time I go back to the UK or go back to Europe, I, I don't know half the cars on the road. You know, the Chinese market, you know, the Chinese manufacturers are there in force, uh, which is just something we don't see in the US at the moment. And then, of course, you get like Peugeot, Citroën, yeah. all that, all, all, all the, you know, Opel and all those guys. So you have a very different experience. So normally it's quite fun to turn up and, you know, hire a Citroën or something like that and just get a feel for where the market is. But yeah, changes all the time. Um, all right, European cars. Let's talk about that for a second. Porsche Macan. This was, uh, I think, kind of a big downer for all of us out here when Porsche pulled out of the LA Auto Show, especially because we were kind of expecting that new Macan EV to be debuted there or some something there, right? And uh, and that's it. Nothing. Nothing's happened. Nothing at all. Uh, but they're doing some drives. They're doing some press stuff. Uh, at the home base in Germany. Um, what's your thought on it? You, you've got someone yeah, out there. Is he reporting yeah, back? Is he sent you text? Yeah, we have, we have a little news story out on the um, edmunds.com slash news right now about the sort of teasing this one out. So we haven't seen the undisguised car yet, uh, but we know that it's, it's, it's coming. And Porsche made a decision, quite a bold decision, really, that Unlike if you've really got two two different two different strategies, you've got the Mercedes strategy, which is we build an EV and we build a gas car, and they sit side by side and they're different things. So you have an E class and an EQE. BMW said, actually, we just build one car, and then you can have it with a gas engine, a hybrid, or an electric vehicle. Yeah, like and, a five series. Yeah, so you have the five series and the i five, and actually, and and Porsche, the word we're speaking to Porsche's people was. We don't think that works. We just think for our brand, it's too compromised to build one chassis and fit it with different powertrains. So what we're going to do is basically go all in on EV for certain models. So Boxster, Cayman, McCann, and then for, and obviously Taycan, and then for other vehicles like the 911, we're going to keep going with gas as long as we can. So it's kind of a split strategy. And, and Panamera and... Cayenne, and Panamera, right? which is just so Cayenne, Panamera, which has just been updated, they are gas and hybrid. Uh, it remains to be seen whether we'll actually ever see the 911 hybrid, possibly with the uh, there's a facelifted 911, 992 coming. Um, and then on the other hand, you're going to have these purely EV models. So it, it's, it's odd because BMW, we've just seen with the new i5 and the 5 series, actually, those cars are great. You don't get into an i5 and think, oh, God, this thing's super compromised by the fact that they've tried to build it with a gas engine as well. Actually, it works really well. So who knows who actually got this right? But from Porsche's perspective, McCann gas, gas McCann will just soldier on with the current model until they either nobody wants it anymore or they can't sell it anymore. That's my understanding. And then alongside that, there will be a purely EV McCann, which is a ground-up EV. A lot of hardware shared with Audi and part of the Volkswagen Group. But this will be a this will be a purely EV McCann, and you know, early impressions look really strong. You know, as you'd expect, lots of performance. They're working really hard on improving the range and improving the charging time and everything else. So, yeah, it's kind of the te technology is always a already a step beyond Taycan, and you know, it's probably going to be a big success for them. Now, per performance seemed to be at the top of the list when they wanted to go with this version of the vehicle. So they're doing some ride-alongs and stuff in 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 Germany, I guess, and with the intention of going, well, you're going to ride shotgun, but mostly because we want you to, to understand what this vehicle is capable of. Just because it's an EV and it's heavy, like 
they're putting a lot of attention on making sure that that center of gravity is low, that battery down low, uh, uh, you know, uh, it handles well, it's powerful. Um, we saw that it's coming in somewhere around 603 horsepower, 737 pound feet of torque. It yeah, for the top vehicle and a hundred kilowatt hour battery, which is actually bigger than the uh slightly bigger than the the the, the Taycan. And it's um it, it's yeah, and what they're doing, I mean the manufacturers do so when they do sort of unveil a car, particularly a car that's all new, you sort of have this drip feed of information. And these ride-alongs are rarely a great experience because what tends to happen is you go over there and you sit next to their test driver and they throw you around the circuit and, and it's like what what can you really tell? Well, you can tell a bit. You can tell, like, does it feel fast? Yes. What's the ride quality like while you're on a circuit? You know, how much room is there? There's stuff that you can kind of glean from that experience, but it's not it's not like driving it yourself. So they're sort of doing this to try and create some attention and some interest around it. And it's also kind of interesting how they're positioning it. You see, you can read into it little details, like one of the shots that, that they released is one of the press shots. These are still disguised cars but one of it's doing like an oversteer slide and things like that. So they're obviously trying to make sure that people continue to think of this as a Porsche and as a McCann that we, that we know and love. So you can kind of like read between the lines on a lot of this stuff. Yeah. Uh, but it's got a lot of fast charging technology. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's going to be an interesting car. I don't think they're going to go. I mean, it's a strange thing. If you're saying like the top unit has got 603 horsepower now, Compared to something like a Lucid or some of the Tesla, it doesn't sound that much, but actually, it's a lot in a small SUV. And yeah, uh, you know, even not, even though it'd be heavy, very big, it's not you no. know like I mean, what what's Fisker doing? Because it kind of feels like a similar size and even look compared yeah, to the I Fisker think Ocean. The McCann's going to be. I mean, the criticism of the existing one is that by you know the, the existing one's like what more than a decade old now. And it was based on sort of previous gen Audi Q5 architecture originally. And the problem with it is the trunk's quite small and the rear space is quite small. And the packaging advantages of going EV means I suspect it will be a bit bigger overall. I'd be surprised if it isn't, but but probably not a huge amount bigger because you can then have big packaging advantages of being EV. So there should be a lot more rear space. I don't think they'll want to go a lot bigger because then it will start to get close to Cayenne and Cayenne Coupe. And also in Europe, those things end up being big cars. Yeah, right. Now, it, it's going to be quick. You know, it's definitely going to be, you know, at least the top version is going to be well under four seconds, zero to 60. I mean, if, if Fisker Ocean can do it, then these guys can do it. And Porsche doesn't want to be out out sprinted by a Fisker. Uh, uh, and like you said, the battery's a little bit bigger than what's in the Taycan. So maybe it's going to have a fairly decent range, probably... 250 or, or a little bit i think it'd be over 300 on our on the edmunds ev races actually the taycan did over 300 the taycan's a bit of an anomaly because it's got a gearbox so the epa figures uh, tend to be dramatically less than what you achieve it's uh, because the epa doesn't take into account the fact that it's got two speeds so everything is done in first gear basically so the taycan's epa range is poor uh but the in reality we 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 massively outperformed it so it's. I don't think the McCann will have a gearbox. I think it's going to be more conventional than that. So, yeah, it, I'm excited it's, about it. It's it's all wheel drive, but they're 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 dialing in a little bit of you know rear bias from the get go. It's not going to be fifty fifty all time. It's going to be you know some forty something in the front, fifty something in the rear. 
And then well, I think gonna it's going to have some kind of drift mode or whatever, but uh, they didn't want it to feel like a front-wheel drive vehicle. They wanted it to feel like it's rear. Well, you're going to have front and rear motors, and obviously with all the software now and you, other technology, you can basically, you know, you can play around with all your torque vectoring and what have you. So I think there'll be quite a lot on that to to allow you to do different things. So, yeah, I, I, I expect it to be – I expect – I mean, you know, the Taycan's a great vehicle. They've had a few years of learning. The technology's moved on, so – you know, high hopes for this one. And also, I, it's not just Porsche. There's a lot of technology, you know, group, Volkswagen group technology that will go into this as well. I I, I like it. I think it's going to be an interesting proposition. I mean, I, I, I think it looks pretty good. It's got kind of the coupe profile to it. Um, and you're right. Like now Porsche is going after a sports car, an SUV, and a sedan for gas and a sports car, an SUV, and a sedan for electric. Right. It just yeah. happens to be like Cayman, Macan and Taycan. Uh, yeah. And then and, we will and, see Boxster and Cayman as well as EVs. Yeah, like, and they're kind of exciting. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be kind of interesting. Now, turning the page on the, the luxury EV market, this is the sportier end of things. And then we've been hearing for a while about Land Rover uh, having their electric. They we we saw the new Land Rover, I don't know, it was like a year or two years ago. Range Rover. The Range Rover. Uh, the new Range Rover, the full-size Range Rover. Um, and it looks good, and we're seeing them on the street now, and it's got a good good design to it. And then they announced hybrid and EV versions were going to be coming out. I think maybe hybrid first and then EV. Yeah, hybrid's uh, been out for a while hy now. Hybrid we out, we have out now. There was there was a delay on, on deliveries and stuff because uh, Adam Carolla wanted one at some point. And put his name on a list to get one and they're like yeah it's gonna it ended up being months after whatever they said so and then his lease was up i think he got into something else um uh, audi uh q8 e-tron i think is what he picked up um but now yeah, we're JL, getting some J more jlr suffered more than most through all the chip shortage in the pandemic stuff so yeah they were yeah, hurt they... by that for sure um but now we're we're looking at some information from from JLR on the Range Rover, on the full EV Range Rover, uh, getting into the testing of this thing, but not a lot of information. Like you said, they're sort of dripping this information out. Yeah, I mean, they talked about this. I went to the launch of the current Range Rover, which was up in up in Napa, which is quite nice. Um, and they were talking there. They all the strategy. It, they, their strategy is the BMW strategy. So we're just going to build a Range Rover, and then you can have it with gas with uh, with hybrid or with with pure EV, and interestingly, I think the EV is going to sit right at the top of the range. So this is going to be super expensive, super luxurious, and we'll have the kind of like V8 performance. So it's it will be a it will be a kind of flagship Range Rover. That's how it appears to be shaping out at the moment, anyway. And I, I think it could be a really interesting thing. I mean, it's. And particularly if you think how many exist in places like LA, San Francisco, New York, that'd just be it. I mean, I, I'm quite a big fan of the new Range Rover anyway. I, I took one up to Monterey for Car Week and just thought it's just a really nice way to travel. And yeah. an EV version of that is, you know, the Range Rover's moved quite a long way from like, oh, let's go and, you know, drive it up a mountain or drive it through a field. It's these days, it's a, you know, it's a luxury SUV for cruising around LA. So, yeah, it just look around LA and Orange County and you know that's Yeah. <laughs> and everybody who's buying one's going to have a pretty pretty sizable garage so they'll charge it from home and stuff and 
it's probably just a really nice way to cruise around LA, to be honest. Uh, some of the technology they're putting into it, they, they want to make it as comfortable. Like you're right. It's going to be the top of the line, sort of the most luxurious version of the Range Rover, uh, I imagine. Uh, and their emphasis on quietness and uh, and a smooth ride. Uh, I, I think it's going to do very well in that market. Like it's going to go after this high end around town daily driver you know not necessarily the long trip you know like we talked about but uh just a, a nice quiet comfortable ride that uh makes sense i i mean it's a big vehicle so you think you can get a fairly good sized battery in it but it's also a very heavy vehicle so uh, who knows where it's going to come in at yeah, the only the range. only thing that's sort of against it, maybe this is a segue into what what else we were going to talk about in terms of the EV market generally. It's just, it's like, uh, you know, the Range Rover was always seen as like the, the ultimate skiing car. You know, you drive it from LA to your you know ski lodge in, you know, up in Mammoth or somewhere like that. And and the reality is, an EV, like depending on how much range it's got, you know, you've then got all the EV hassle attached to that. Yeah. So if you're buying it as kind of like the long distance everyday family, you know, family vehicle, you've still got some of the EV challenges that we have at the moment to go with that. So, you know, maybe right now, it's funny, I was talking to a neighbor who wanted to buy, she's looking to buy a Porsche and she fancied a Taycan and she wanted a bit more, they want a bit more space. I said, we'll get the Sport Turismo, Cross Turismo. And she said, um, and then she looks, she's like, well, the problem with the EV is then got to charge it. If we're going to go, I said, look, honestly, like get a Cayenne hybrid. So I think she's going to get a plug-in Cayenne hybrid because it'll be their main family car and they ski a lot and things like that. And why at the moment, just to go full EV, if you're going to like really use it and road trip it and things like that, you know, you're just buying into a world of hassle. And it's kind of disappointing to say this, but, you know, we talked about my own experiences trying to do that. And right now, if you said to me, would I would I buy an EV or like a plug-in hybrid? If I'm going to travel long distances, I wouldn't buy an EV. Yeah, agreed, for sure. And looking at the data, lots of people agree <laughs> with me. Yeah, so that's the other thing that's coming in is is, is we're starting to see pop up more and more. Um, uh, EV sales are slowing, uh, for sure. Um, I don't know if it's just correcting well, actually, EV, or dropping. EV say EVs, EV sales growth is slowing. EV sales aren't aren't slowing. Okay, EV sales growth is slowing, and and we're we're seeing manufacturers going. We might want to start to to slow down production. We're not. We're obviously not stopping, but we're saying we need to sort of reassess our target of cars built and sold. Yeah, it's a really there's a lot of analysis just come out on this and it's a really interesting market. And the reason I was slightly picky up on that, there's a lot of nonsense coming out about not suggesting you were saying nonsense, but there's a lot of nonsense coming out in, in general about this saying that, you know, it's cataclysmic. The reality is new, new EV sales this year will pass a million units for the first time. Um, you know, the segment as a share of the overall market, EVs have still gone from 5.6% to 7.4% this year. So it's still growing, but it's not growing as fast as people anticipated. And that's why you're starting to see this really mixed messaging. So you're still, oh, it's a disaster. Well, yeah, it's not growing in the way that people anticipated. It's arguably not growing 
at the speed it needs to if we're going to like cancel internal combustion. And so and so everybody's now having to say, hang on a minute, we just can't sell as many lightnings as we thought we were going to. So Ford, you mentioned Ford cut production on the lightning by half. They're going to build 1,600 a week instead of 3,200. Um, you know, every, everybody, you know, there's a lot that they're not the only one they pull back. I think it was $12 billion off the top of my head from of, of investment. And also we're seeing this trend where people are just slashing prices everywhere. EVs are st- sitting on dealer lots more than gas vehicles or hybrid vehicles. I mean, interesting when you look at the Edmunds data, and obviously we have like 20 million people come to our site. So we have a huge amount of data on what people are actually shopping for. And at the moment you can see, you know, SUVs are still dominant. Mm-hmm. EV, there's still a huge amount of interest, but then hybrids have really shot up. So I think what a lot of people are saying right now is, and I, I want to kind of feel part of this transition. Maybe you want to feel good about like having a, you know, eco more eco-friendly solution. But right now for my life, a hybrid makes more sense. Um, So yeah, yeah really, really, some really, really interesting stuff coming out. And now that we're at the end of the year, there's going to be some new rules in place with these uh, tax incentives and, and, and whatnot and uh you you really want to start to pay attention to which cars still have that and and of course your your income and your you know you need i guess speak to your accountant about how it would apply to you if at all but um some of these cars are not going to qualify i want to say tesla model 3 now is not exactly yeah there's gonna get the, the 7500 dollar credit yeah, I mean, I just started to say like Ford is coming out with Mackie, Tesla as well, saying, oh, hang on a minute, you got to order by December the 31st. And I mean, there's still, I believe, they're going to be the opportunity to lease a vehicle. So I think what we'll probably see is lease rates going up. But there's a lot of confusion in the market, even from some of the OEMs who thought they were going to qualify. Now they're not going to qualify. And you're right, if you're going to buy it, there's a lot of variables. How much am I earning? Does the car qualify? If you lease it, then that seems to get around, that gets around the problem. That's why I lease my Genesis, because the Genesis was made in Korea, the GV60, so it didn't qualify. But if you leased, it did. So I think what people will end up doing is leasing with a buyout rate. With a, And if you lease a vehicle and everybody bar Tesla gives you a value at the end of your lease, so lease it, then buy it out. That's kind of the, it seems like the most sensible way of navigating the market at the moment, which is a workaround yeah. and a bit ridiculous, but it's what it is. Yeah. Anyway, yes, it gets more complicated. So you want to do the research on that because it's the rules are definitely changing. They seem to be changing quite often <laughs> these days. So uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, te- Tesla didn't seem to know yesterday like what how they were going to land, which is kind of crazy. Um, I mean, Tesla, there's some stats I've got on, on, on Tesla here, which I think is quite worthy of discussion because they they remained so dominant in the marketplace. It's it's crazy. I mean, they they will sell up to October. I think they sell five hundred thirty eight thousand EVs. So they they but their market share has gone from so this is EV segment has gone from sixty four point seven percent to fifty six point three, which is probably natural if you think about it, because you know loads of other people are coming into a market that they basically had themselves for ten years. But you know, Model Y sales three hundred twenty one thousand up eighty percent. But they're doing a lot of this by just cutting costs. And if you look at the Model 3 and Model Y, you know, they, they've chopped almost $17,000 off them over the last 12 months on, on yeah. average. And so, you know what, this this has huge ramifications. Or one way it's good, uh, now everybody can get into EVs and it's more affordable and, and that's great news. 
But also, if you own one, your residuals have just been hammered. Or, as you know, somebody who owns a Ford Lightning, I can tell you that uh, it, uh, it's it's probably worth forty thousand dollars less than what I paid. If I if I went and try to sell it right now, it would it'd be forty grand less than what I what I paid for it. Yeah, uh, that's not that's not good. No, it's it's not good. And so I didn't, suboptimal. I didn't pay markups or anything. Like I got on the list and got an early car, and you know, spoke with Ford about it, and and uh, yeah. At that at one point, they were going, oh, you know, you know, some dealers getting thirty thousand. I was like, are you kidding me? Thirty thousand? I I mean, I obviously I get heated up about markups, so that's a different issue. But imagine yeah, but buying a hundred thousand dollar truck and being upside down seventy thousand dollars on a on it yeah. already, and you're like, and you still owe a bunch of money. Uh, like, and not you, to rub and not to rub it in, <laughs> but that's seventy thousand dollars of tax money. So that's more like a hundred and twenty grand. Yeah, yeah. If you live in California, <laughs> yeah, that's um, a yeah. I mean, basically, what you could do is buy, buy a classic Porsche instead. Yes, you could for the so, same and money. It, and it's funny because we on on. on on a decade and a half, a decade and a half of doing car cast, we've 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 had so many conversations about car collecting and the car auctions and all that stuff. And you you hear so much of that conversation, and it's something that we're so interested in that you lose sight of how ridiculous car buying is and how sort of uh, almost worthless the process is. It's just like. Yeah, we go to Monterey, we go to Barrett Jackson, we see some interesting car auctions and and some people are making some money on cars, but it's such a small segment uh, and, and it's an interesting part of the business. But most of us, the, the 99% of us on the planet that have cars are losing money on cars. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, look, I mean, Edmunds exists to try and make the whole process as easy as possible and you know, you still have to do some pretty com complicated math to look at, you know, look at what's right for you. And you're right. There's there's so many different factors, not just purchase price, but, you know, residual values, you know, how much it's going to cost you to run and what that sort of thing. And that's why, you know, used car prices are, you know, a challenge at the moment as well. I mean, we've been, we've lived through this extraordinary time where we didn't have supply people charging markup on crazy things you know on everyday cars that you just wouldn't expect used car prices were were sky high and now there's a bit of a correction going on uh so i think it's you know it's but but at the same time you know people are are still buying cars and you know the market is despite the fact that you've got high interest rates barriers to entry all sorts of things going on you know there's still a lot of people buying cars and you know, the EV thing is such a mixed picture because it's continuing to, you know, it, it's things are continuing to grow. I mean, you look at it, Tesla sold, you know, in the US from January to October, 540,000 cars. I mean, that's insane. And the next oh, yeah. up was Chevrolet, yeah. which was the aging bolt, was 56,000. It's also to look at this data like who else is making headway? You know, Mercedes, BMW are doing well, Hyundai, and then others are, you know, Others are, are, are struggling, you know, Lucid, their CFO left this week, you know, 5,300 units, you know, that's not, that's not really sustainable in, in, the, in the market. That's where their share price is suffering. And, you know, it's fundamentally a good, we've 
criticize some of the quality issues, but it's fundamentally a good product and, you know, they need the gravity coming. Whereas on the other hand, Rivian is, you know, Rivian initially had massive supply problems. Now it's starting to really get some momentum up. You know, they sold 36,000 units, which is, which is really impressive. That's 3%, 3.7% market share in the US. So they're a startup that's come along, you know, good product in the R1T, good product in the R1S, you know, the SUV in particular is proving really popular. And they've shown that it can be done. So, you know, I think unfortunately Lucid had the wrong product at the wrong price point and Rivian's kind of shown them the way forward. So it's 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 super interesting, but something has to give. I mean, you've got this, you've got this unholy alliance of high cost of EVs, high interest rates, and then continuing concerns and justi- justified concerns about the infrastructure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, lots of things need to happen quite quickly. And in the next year, we should see more affordable EVs hitting the market. You know, the little Volvo X30 is terrific, but it's tiny. You know, we're supposed to be seeing $30,000 Chevrolets and everything else, but we need them and we need them now, really, if that market's really going to grow. And then the infrastructure's got to catch up. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to be losing some cars. Some cars are going to be on their way out. Uh, we we know as far as like the Dodge Challenger and the Chevy Camaro are pretty much uh, taking their last breath of air. But uh, there's a few uh, cars on the list that um, I don't know. I guess I wasn't really fully aware of at the at, at the time. But yeah, you know, we're we've got a few. Yeah, cars. we did. Nick Nick, you kick in. Uh, works on our news desk and does a great job. He put a little he put a little video together of like some that we are losing. Uh, I've got some of the headlines here, so I'm no, my long, by no means exhausted. But Alpina B7, apparently there's not going to be a, a new Alpina version of 7 Series. I love Alpinas. Yeah. Uh, Audi R8, I had a little, they did a little farewell lap at um, yeah, Laguna Seca. Yeah, we talked, about that. So we talked we knew, about that, didn't we? We knew R8 yeah. was was on its way out. T- TT, I remember the first one in 98 being an absolute revelation. That's gone. Um, it's a yeah. lot of fun stuff here, Matt. Uh, Camaro Forceland. Apparently, the SS and the V6 get one more year. They're going to soldier on. Uh, Chrysler 300, 25 years. And I, I remember like having. I remember the editor of Top Gear. I remember going for lunch with the editor of Top Gear 25 years ago magazine, and him having a 300C, like the first one in the UK, and just thinking, this is so cool. This is like really cool Americana. And but yeah. even then, it was based on previous generation Mercedes E Class. If I remember rightly, I think this yeah. didn't the this chassis like previous gen Mercedes E class because it was all part of the Daimler Chrysler period. Yeah, I I got to rem- uh, I know the SLK and the like the Crossfire were were kind of the same, but I maybe it did have some E class in it. And, uh, I th- and I'm pretty sure yeah, that and that's 25 years ago. So like yeah, <laughs> and it listen, sold it, it did well for them. It it successful for them a lot, a lot of car for the money i was looking at the sales figures recent years it's kind of dwindled i think they're doing like 10 12 10 15 000, but yeah 20 25 years in production in the modern cars insane dodge charger charger gone kia stinger was supposed to be this car that like you know reimagined kia ended up being the telluride that had the biggest cut through but it was still a, yeah, a really it, nice car but it got kia some press coverage like the yeah. stinger like people were like eh, kia 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 and then like stinger and it was like the first time we got to go oh maybe kia is capable of doing something fun and interesting and i think that i think it did well as a halo car for them in a sense i remember turning up i did a race at spa francorchamps in belgium when i borrowed one to go and um this was already when i was in the u.s i borrowed one to to drive there 
I remember sticking it in the paddock and everybody just being wowed by it. You know, like racing drivers who weren't necessary, who, you know, tended to buy Porsches all or whatever. Suddenly came, look, this, this is great. And I, it was it probably a bit early for the brand in many ways because, you know, people weren't ready to make the jump. But yeah, it was a cool car. It still drives really well. What else we got? Mazda CX-9. Okay, yeah, that would be terribly uh, mourned. But Mercedes CX. Is the CX-9 the only like SUV on the list? Everything's uh, sports cars. Oh, that's and a good sedans. question. Uh, uh, I mean, it's not an all-inclusive yes, list, but you're right. it's pretty much the only SUV you're, you're, on the on the short list. You're right. And everything. CLS is another one. Porsche Panamera Sport Turismo. There's a new Panamera, but they're not doing the um the wagon version. You're right. right. I mean, basically what's America, dying. don't give a shit about wagons. No, journalists do. Nobody buys them. <laughs> That's what um, I keep saying. And everybody gets mad at me when I say that. Like, the journalists like, the... love them. Nobody buys them. I was in and... a planning meeting yesterday and it was like, oh, there's an M5 wagon. We've got to do something on that. It's going to be like huge. Like, really? It's yeah. not. We're all going to do something on it because it's. we're going to go, this is the coolest thing ever. And then it's a bit like the RS6. Like, they don't really sell that many. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah it's a, like, anyway, so glad you agree with me. I agree. So that's, that's the, so it's, you know, feels like a fitting, fitting way to end the year, isn't it? There's like, but it's all the fun stuff, isn't it? R A T T. Yeah. They're taking a lot of the fun. They're hoping Charger, they get to replace it with fun stuff. But um, Audi, I think at least is going to do, and I think they need to, I think they're going to do like an electric R8. They're going to do something that's like, Pretty Whatever the predecessors, some to... sort of sports car. They need kind of a halo yeah. sports car. Otherwise, they can't just go down as, as uh, you know, like the the super sedan, super SUV. Honestly, as we're sitting here recording, I'm getting a, a RS like Q8 press car delivered for so I can dart around town and quickly. <laughs> that's a, that's a I've driven that. that's a nice that's a really nice vehicle. There's yeah, an Edmund Drag on that as well. The, the newest version, yeah. so yeah, yeah. they they that's a really nice thing. It's I don't think it's quite as nice as the um, the, as the Cayenne Turbo GT, which it shares a lot of you know shares some bits with. Or I mean that that is also like they've that's got that pretty got expensive. The yeah, right? the Turbo GT and then the Urus, the Lamborghini Urus, all share quite a lot of common out common parts. But yeah, yeah. and the the Audi I always thought was sort of like the more affordable version of the Lamborghini. Mm. I know the Lamborghini has got yeah. some interesting sound to it. It's got the paddles and the and, you know, the whole thing. It's got all that Lamborghini ish on the inside as well as the outside. But uh, it's like the Audi is a more affordable version of the Porsche, which is a more affordable version of the Euros. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. So and the sweet spot probably the Porsche, probably in the middle. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's go ahead. We're going to wrap it up for this year. As we've said uh, uh, before, um, have a wonderful new year. Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas and uh, happy holidays, whatever the whatever you're doing. So uh, we appreciate you guys. Thanks so happy much. Happy holidays, Amy, listen, everybody. Uh, CarCast and Edmonds is a, is a new show for us. And um, uh, we appreciate you guys uh, tuning in. And, and we saw some really nice reviews on iTunes for that. And uh, we're going to try to kick things up a notch. We're putting some plans together for next year to do more with, with CarCast and, and uh, kind of reboot and, and grow it and create some new content and, and stuff like that. So, um, and on the Edmund side, we're also, we also have plans as well. So, you know, great partnership, thoroughly enjoyed the, uh, I can't believe my, it's, it's nearly, since I started doing this with you and Bill, it's, it's like, it'll be six years in like March or something when I just arrived like for those who realize I just arrived in LA and I was like fairly green and like a little bit big eyed about LA. 
And then it was suddenly somebody said, Oh, like we got this car, you know, we got this opportunity to do this podcast. And you going to this like personal this Adam Carolla studio. And I had to like Google everybody and yeah. off I went. I mean, it was turning then. It's like this Bill Goldberg. He's like this. And I'm like, I'm sure he's like some wrestling guy. And, you know, he wasn't like, like Bill, you know, Bill's a global star, but he's not as bigger here than he is in Europe. And just turning up the studio with you and Bill. And it was like, it was like, hello, LA. Yeah. It was and I think very, I took it was my very, girlfriend and my was, wife with me. I was like, I was like, huh, ladies I, and gentlemen. I, I, I reached out to Edmonds. I was like, hey, we're going to do this new podcast, Bill and I, and, you know, want to get your support on it and let's do a thing. And they said, yeah, yeah. And they said, the timing's really good. So if we got somebody who can pop on the show every once in a while, we just brought in this new, this new guy from the UK. And I was like, whatever, we'll carry this hack on a few shows. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> here we are. Uh, and here we are. A little grayer. <laughs> yeah. and uh, like two kids later well on your side at least yeah I'm, two kids and two dogs on yours yeah well just dogs um all right guys thanks so much and we'll uh, catch you at the beginning of january until next okay. time keep the air and the spare and the bag and the wheel happy holidays everyone. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. CarCast Show.